0: who is the co-founder of Table Investments, an investor-focused full-service real estate and development company. The company's focus is on residential real estate, and they mostly serve of course, local and out-of-state investors with expertly-screened properties and manage everything in-house from acquisition to maintenance so that investment experience is seamless. Welcome, Alisa. How are you today?
1: Hi. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Hey, Elisa, do you mind telling us what do you do?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I am a co-owner of a a real estate company here in Oklahoma City. And uh, the quickest way of kind of knowing what we do is we help people who live uh, not in Oklahoma City, uh, buy real estate.
0: How did you get started with real
1: estate? Uh, So I got started, I guess it's been six or seven years ago now. Uh, I was in college at the time and thought that I wanted to be a doctor. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, so I was uh, in school to do that and ended up dropping out because I decided I didn't want to be a doctor. So I spent um, quite a bit of time in the library. I uh, just trying to read a bunch of books and find something that struck. Uh, so I, I ended up reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'm sure of you've course. read that.
0: That's what uh, I know, kind of- almost everyone starts at Rich Dad
1: Poor Dad. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> everybody who's listening has read that book at some point. And So, yeah. uh, I got <laughs> done with that book and a couple other of his books and was like, "You know what? I think I I think I can do this." So, I got my real estate license and initially got into sales. And um, at first, you know, I was working with owner occupants and that was super fun, but I very, very quickly gravitated towards um, investing myself and working with investors and, you know, it just kind of all snowballed and built from there.
0: That is very interesting. So how did the transition work out for you from studying for medical school to uh, real estate?
1: Man, it was, uh, it was honestly a pretty tough, tough transition with, um, you know, when you're going to be a doctor, so much of it just has to do with, you know, knowing the numbers and studying, and if you know the material, you're going to do a good job, Um, and then with real estate, so much more of it has to do really with your ability to talk to people and work with them and negotiate, and. for the deal so it's fun it just it took me a little while to kind of make that shift because the skill sets to succeed in each in each area are just so so different from one another
0: and um, from investing for yourself to becoming entrepreneur or business owner how did that happen and why did you choose to become a business owner or you know entrepreneur
1: Yeah. um, You know, I I still don't know why I decided to start a business. Um, Some days I wonder if maybe I should have just been a doctor. Um, No, but I I bought, my my husband and I bought our first rental and it was, we just did a house pack, you know, so you live in it, fix it up and rent the other half out. Right. We still own that one. It was a good little buy um and honestly it just it all happened I was one of those people that I guess got kind of lucky it all happened very very organically um I helped a couple guys buy some houses and then I helped them do the project management all of that locally for a couple years and then you know they'd refer me to some of their friends he'd refer me to some more of their friends and After a while of just doing it for local investors, I learned um, that there's actually this whole community of people online who want to do that, but, you know, in LA and New York and Seattle and these other markets, it's just so, so tough um, for them to do it. So I I really, I kind of just became a business owner more out of the need for somebody to do this in our market more than... um, and then the business and kind of the principles that go with that followed. I, I didn't really wake up and decide to start a business. I just woke up and wanted to help investors and it kind of turned into one.
0: Very interesting. So can you provide one golden nugget or a tool, um, you know, you use pretty much every yeah. day? Or if someone is aspiring to become an entrepreneur or business owner, if you can share some yeah. experience? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the two things that I've done pretty well. Um, I I wish that I would have paid attention to my network and the people that I had around me a little bit sooner, because uh, so much. I mean, whether you just want to be an investor to buy houses, or you want to build a company, or you want to build a bunch of companies, so much of what you're going to do comes down to who you know and how you treat people. Um, and so really, 90% of probably my very modest success comes back to the relationships that I have. Um, and then beyond that, I we are really, really big believers in just being really, really resourceful. Uh, so other than leveraged assets that we have for real estate, we operate personally and as a business totally debt-free, um, and it's allowed us to be really, really flexible whenever you know the other people are hurting or the market's shifting and everybody else is really scared we've been able to really be flexible and take advantage of opportunities and it's just because we knew the right people to bring us the deals and then we were in the right financial position once the deals hit our desk
0: right and that's a great point real estate is all about relationship and networking right um, also I I yeah we want to we want to develop long-term relationship, right? That's the whole point. No, no one wants yeah, and, to fly by.
1: Well, and it's like you want to get the deal done, but I see so many investors, especially newer investors, they don't pay attention to their reputation. They don't pay attention to you know the long-term, what happens after the deal is over. Uh, uh, so they may burn through a relationship because they don't want to dip into their pocket and spend $2,000 to fix a mistake. But it ends up costing them five, six, seven deals down the road that would have kept coming to them if they'd just done the right thing. All
0: right. No, that's a great point. So, uh, and you mentioned uh, about OKC market. So that's Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma City, right? Yes. So why why OKC market and why haven't I heard about it? So I because of course <laughs> I've been picking a lot of markets and I've heard yeah. about Memphis and Indy and. You Know Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Atlanta, but I didn't hear about any Oklahoma market. And I know KC and Tulsa are two of the biggest markets there, but somehow you know I haven't heard. Or, or I haven't you know,
1: heard a lot of people about. haven't, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people haven't heard of Oklahoma City. Um, a lot of people kind of compare it to ND before ND became ND. Oh, okay. um,
0: that's a good so I don't analogy. Know how,
1: yeah, I don't know how accurate that is, but I've had seven or eight people say that to me. Um, so for whatever that's worth, we are uh, just like pretty much every other market in the Midwest. Uh, we are slow and steady. Uh, we only see about 3% appreciation every year. Uh, Forbes deemed us recession-proof. In the last recession, we dropped about 6, 6.5%. Um,
0: that's not bad. There's
1: a no it's really not i mean compared to like vegas they yeah. really really got hurt vegas so.
0: and i'm in san francisco Bay area so Antar california or if you look at phoenix yeah like, slammed.
1: <laughs> man they get hurt really bad so you know we don't get the fun ride up that you guys get on the coast but we also don't have that bottoming out um I get asked a whole lot about uh, oil and gas and if when oil and gas tanks, if that hurts us. The short answer is really no. Um, oil and gas are really actually not even in our top four or five employers, um, and really? we're pretty diverse. Yeah, um, that always surprises people. Um, but we, oil and gas is, you know, energy is a big part of our market, uh, but it's not the biggest, not, not as much as people think. Um, oh, not like West Texas.
0: I, I always thought of it as Devon Energy and SlumberJay and all, all yeah. of that, that Chesapeake as well, right? So
1: yeah, those are all. Um, they're all out here. They're just not not the biggest. Um, and then I, you know, if anybody wants to jump on a call, I've got a really long, boring answer about why. But basically, oil and gas typically works in tandem with the rest of the market. So. When oil and gas is performing, the rest of the market isn't, and vice versa. So typically a part of our market performs well and it keeps us stable um, is the, the short answer. Um, I always get asked about tornadoes. People really, really get concerned. Uh, tornadoes actually are not really a huge deal. It's mostly just the hail that comes with the tornadoes and insurance covers that. Um, so, I mean, all in all, Oklahoma City is it's safe. And I think that's why a lot of investors like it, especially with not really knowing what the market's going to do over the next couple of years. You know, interest rates have kind of been a conversation topic. People don't quite know what's going to happen there. And then we're due for a market correction. And so I think people are just ready for a safe bet. And since Oklahoma City, people haven't really heard of it. They kind of assume that, you know, they did okay in the last recession. And hopefully, since not too many people have heard about it, it's going to stay a safe bet.
0: So I, I, you mentioned tornado and that, that's, uh, that reminds me when I was visiting OKC, someone told me, oh, we get a lot of quacknado. And I was like, what is that? And they said, we get earthquake and tornadoes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so most of these policies are written with tornadoes in mind or, or, or you should also look into earthquake insurance or how does that work?
1: No, so insurance is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's going to cover any tornado damage just as is. You don't have to have a separate policy for it. Oh, okay. Um, earthquakes. I think anybody who lives in California would probably laugh at what we call an earthquake. So, um, <laughs> and it's only in this pretty isolated part of northeast Oklahoma City of our metro. So. Most of the areas that we're selling in, you don't feel earthquakes. And even when you do, they're really, really small. Um, So some people do go ahead and pull out an insurance policy. I personally don't have one on any of my properties.
0: Okay. No, it it makes sense. (laughs) So what else is going for OKC market? I understood that it did not during recession. It didn't go down as much like six, six and a half percent. Uh, and of course it's um it's not one trick pony like as you said west texas where it's all dependent on oil yep. so what are the other employers or what what's the job market like
1: yeah so the job market is um kind of like i was saying earlier it's not uh, so oil and gas is a pretty big part of it but it's not the biggest um education in uh is actually a pretty big part of our employer we've got several um bigger universities. Um, Tinker Air Force Base is one of the biggest Air Force bases in the country, and it's just on the east side of our metro. Um, And then some of, I always try to give a couple company names that people have maybe heard of that are headquartered here. So we've got Hobby Lobby is here. Um, Yeah, Boeing has a private sector out here. Um, AT&T has a, a big headquarters here um sonic uh i don't know if they have that on the west coast but sonic is headquartered here um dell Hertz, loves the big travel uh like the gas stations that you see when you're doing a road trip um those are all so oil and gas is up there but honestly those bigger companies that have headquarters here are kind of take up a bigger bulk of the, the job market. And they're so diverse from you know transportation to oil and gas and then medical research to the Air Force that since it's all kind of in these different little sectors of the market, you, even if one part of the market gets hit, it kind of just gets absorbed into the rest of it. So that's where you see, we maybe go up and down maybe 3% every year, but it, it's usually not, you really don't feel it. Um, if you do appreciate, it's just enough to keep up with your taxes and insurance going up. It's not really enough for you to notice it in your pocket, honestly. Um, taxes. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah.
1: Um, I always get asked about taxes. Uh, I'm not a CPA. So I always get a little nervous to answer those questions. Um, corporate income tax is about 6%. Um, employment tax is about eight percent uh typically when you're paying taxes on your house it averages out to about one percent of your purchase price so it's not crazy low and it's not crazy high but really kind of everything in Oklahoma City is pretty steady um so job market of course that's important but it's not just the job market really everything is
0: and, and that's uh... OKC okay, being in close proximity to Dallas help?
1: Um, I really I've never actually gotten that question. I don't know. We um we don't do a whole lot of business in Dallas and Dallas is actually kind of a weird market. They're more of yeah. a hybrid market, yes. I guess. And so They've got these little pockets like in Dallas and Briscoe and a couple others that just get crazy appreciation. And really that hasn't happened there before. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen next time the market corrects. Because I I think it'll be kind of their first run having a market like this.
0: Yeah, so they never had like crazy appreciation like this, um, which they have been having for last five years. Um, yeah
1: and i think that people are happens. still investing there because they haven't experienced a bottoming out like the coastal states have and i don't even know yeah. if they will i it'll just be interesting to watch
0: yeah i'm looking forward to it as well <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> i know i hate to say that because i know that it's not going to be good for everybody but it's it's like i said earlier when we're we just we in the position to kind of take advantage when the deals show up so hopefully more deals. yeah
0: exactly you know um even if my, when market is going up, it's good. If it's going down, it's still good, right? So yeah, you have exactly. to be prepared <laughs> to take advantage of it, right? And then as, if you're a buy and hold investor and you're getting the rent every month, it doesn't matter if it's going up or down.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's right. Especially like Oklahoma City, our, like the landmass of our city is so big. I get when people fly in to meet with us, they always comment on that. Um, Landmass-wise, we're one of the biggest cities in the country, Um, so yeah, and so I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that until I started traveling quite a bit how different it really is, so it's really, um, I mean, every market, you want to be hyper-local and really know where you're buying and what you're buying, but especially in Oklahoma City, you can go from a class to C class and about five blocks pretty quickly. If you don't really, really understand kind of what pocket of the city you're buying in. Um, so a lot of being successful here is really having a pretty in-depth understanding of what pockets of the city are going to deliver what.
0: That's interesting. So, uh, let's talk about your business. So what do you, yeah. what does your business do? Table investments?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we are basically a resource for people who live out of state to invest here in Oklahoma city. Um, we don't, we're not romantic about any one particular type of property. So we will sell turnkey properties, meaning we buy it, we flip it, we rent it out, sell it to you. And it's got warranties in place. We will also sell you a distressed property and help with the project management. We are not tied to a certain type of property or a certain part of town. We're more so tied to making sure that whatever investor we're working with, that we understand what their investment strategy is and making sure that they're buying something to fit that strategy. Um, So so a, a lot of... Go ahead.
0: What you are saying is that you are not just a turnkey provider. So you you, you can have turnkey properties as well as you may find a distressed property and help the investors in rehabbing and, uh, you know, renting out the property. Okay. And go ahead. And
1: really in our market, the best deal that you're going to get is by going to a property that's been a rental for a while. So it's been in good condition. It's been maintained well by a management team and you already have a tenant in there. Because the the guy who currently owns it, his only option for selling that is to put it on the MLS, bug his tenant, potentially deal with his tenant moving out, and they don't want to do that. So they'll come to us and and we'll agree to sell it to them or sell the property for them, but we tell them like, hey, you've got to give stronger equity or better cash flow. And they're willing to do that for the convenience of the sale. So it puts it, our buyers in a better position because they're able to get a property that's cash flowing from day one with a good tenant, just like a turnkey property. But you've got more equity, like you're buying an off market or a wholesale deal. And we really, really like kind of that hybrid spot in the middle. I know a lot of people want to do the Burr method right now, but because so many people are doing it, 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 the market is just too, too competitive for the most part. I mean, the deals are out there, but in our market, it's just so competitive that it's almost impossible to get a good deal. But if you can get creative and find equity through negotiation instead of through rehab, you you can usually get the same exact result. And plus, I mean, I get a whole pedestal I get on about this, but you're in a better position for when the market does start to correct because you have these properties that have cash flow. You've shown the bank that you have a strong asset, and they're typically willing to be more flexible and letting you borrow against it to buy more assets once the deals do start coming through. Um, so we we love basically we just love helping people get investment deals, um, kind of whatever that looks like for the particular deal.
0: So, uh, and I want to explain the bar method to my listeners as well. I know you just brought it up. Yeah. Bar means buy rehab refinance repeat. So the idea is that you buy a property on your own, a distressed property, um, on, on most of the time on cash or hard money lending and then you rehab it fully you rent it out uh, that's the third, second uh, R and then because you already bought it they bought uh, the property at pretty good price you rehabbed it, you rented it out and now you can go to a bank and refinance it at a much higher valuation. So if you bought let's say if you bought at a, at an ex, for an example a 70,000 property and now valuation comes to 100 grand. You are able to pocket the difference. So, pretty much, you will have no money in the deal. Uh, But as uh, Alisa mentioned, it's hard to find those per deal right now. And also, people just start picking up the buzzword, right? Bar, oh, I wanna do this, not knowing how much involvement it needs, right? So, I have done one bar and it worked out. Uh, And if there is another deal, I would do it but I'm not always just looking for bar, right? If it falls in my laps, yeah, that's great. (laughs) But I'm not always just looking for bar deals.
1: Yeah, and I love those deals. I've done, I don't know, one or two of them, and they can be good. I just, I see so many investors who aren't jumping at deals that are really good because they're holding out for one investment type. and so they'll end up going two, three, I had one guy four years without investing at all, because exactly. he's caught up on that one strategy. Um, versus if we can go into a deal, like we've got my business partner, and I have one under contract right now that, you know, it's worth, I think, 48,000 is what it, it appraised for. And we've got it for, um, I think it's under contract at 41. So nice. it's not quite even 20% equity. But if, if we just, get in at a good position I'm liquid if I need to sell it quickly right. um, it's cash flowing at like $700 a month so a strong tenant strong cash flow everything's good I just I can't have you know the badge of honor that says I got into it with zero money down
0: right oh that's great uh, hey Elisa, let's take a quick break okay you're listening to the wealth matters podcast the
1: Wealth matters.
0: For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth w e a l t h matters matr s.com. Welcome back everyone. Uh, I'm chatting with Alisa uh, of Table Investments and we are discussing about Oklahoma City market. Uh, hey Alisa, uh, uh, you mentioned about how your company business works but what kind of a return investors should anticipate in this market right or what have you seen so far from cap rate perspective uh, or noi uh, if you can you know shed some light
1: sure um cap rate is i like to talk about that just because it's easy and pretty universal um for the most part you're going to see about eight to eight and a half percent uh, if you've got a property in a rough area uh, or the condition's rough, we can typically boost that up to somewhere between 9 and 10%. Right. If you're in an A-class area, you know, that's really, really good with, um, you know, low-risk tenant profile, typically closer to 7.2%, 7.5% on cap rate. But if you just average property, you're typically looking at about 8 8.5% cap rate. Okay, and
0: what's the purchase price on what's the range of purchase price on these properties? Do they start from you mentioned forty, forty, forty-five to one hundred fifty, or what's the range? Uh,
1: my favorite price point, I, if I can stay between about seventy-five and ninety-five thousand dollars, that's that's my favorite. The forty thousand dollar price house that I'm buying is it's a rough area, it um, would be, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't typically love that, but seventy-five thousand to ninety-five thousand is a really good area, good tenant. You're not going to have a lot of headaches.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's a great uh, price point that you mentioned because I always recommend my listeners that do not buy anything below seventy-five grand. Somehow, oh you know, good, I, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have burned my hands before about five years ago, so I know I have learned that lesson. And so, if, yep. if you are doing this out of state, it makes sense to stay in C or a bull market and do not go below yep. C minus or D right and seventy, agree grand is pretty much the range in almost every market of course not the west coast market where you can't buy anything for less than 500 but at least in yep. most of this markets you know even if you you mentioned in New york and city same things you know you can find a decent house for 75 to 80 grand you you, you should be able to refinance that's another advantage right if you have to buy cash yep. Because most of the banks will not la- you know, write a loan for less than 50 grand. So if you bought a property for 75 or 80, you can put 25% down and you are able to get a loan over 50 grand.
1: Yep, that's spot on. We, we totally agree with all that.
0: And so let's say a property is uh, worth 80 grand in a C neighborhood. What kind of property would that be? In what condition and what kind of rent they could entail?
1: Uh so if you're buying it for about eighty thousand, it's probably gonna rent for about eight hundred and twenty-five to eight hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. Um, and the easiest way that I always break it down. So there's C class (laughs) that's just kind of working class, blue collar. It's safe. It's just lower income. And then there's, you know, C minus class that is like that forty thousand dollar house that I'm buying that is somebody was shot literally in the front yard a couple months ago. Uh, yeah. So we for our out of state I don't mind buying scary houses, but for our out of state guys, I like to sell blue collar yes. working class, safe C class. So those are gonna be like three bed, two bath, maybe a one or two car garage, brick or vinyl exterior, uh good tenant good credit score. They just they're lower income. Um and they pay on time. A lot of times they'll stay for two or three years. So you don't have a lot of vacancy. Um, those are probably my favorite ones. And we're typically able to get about 5 to 15% equity in those deals. So not a ton, but it puts the out-of-state investor in a good position if, they, if their situation does change and they do need to liquidate quickly in the future.
0: Okay, perfect. Now, this was very helpful. Thank you so much. How can my, good, listeners, I'm so glad. Yeah, how can my listeners reach out to you?
1: Uh, so, a couple ways you can either email us at hello at table or we are on Instagram uh, as Table Property Network, um, and either either one of those is great.
0: Okay, and I would put the you know website address as well on the show notes. So
1: yeah, please do.
0: To reach out. Okay, and I appreciate your time, Alyssa. Thank you.
1: Of course, I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: If you are on the fence about investing or have any questions about alternative investments, please reach out to me at alpesh at com. It's A-L-P-E-S-H at W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S dot com. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!